right, so we're in Isaiah chapter 61. I want you to notice what it says in verse 1. This is a messianic prophecy right here that Jesus Christ fulfilled. We can read about it in the New Testament where he actually got up and he read this very scripture. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. And I want you to notice how it mentions how God anointed him. You know that term Messiah, it literally means anointed one. And when somebody is anointed when, uh, for something, it means they were chosen for something. And God chose his son, Jesus Christ, to do every one of these things. He had a special a unique calling upon himself and an empowering that came from God. And of course, anything that God sends anyone out to do, anything God anoints anyone to do, he's going to give them the power to do those very things. And so one of the things that we see with Jesus Christ is during his ministry to prove who he was, we see that God gave him the power to heal people and to do miracles and we love reading about those miracles that he did throughout his ministry. We all uh, have been inspired by those stories, uh, you know, ever since we start, started reading the Bible. Some of the first things you learn about in Sunday school as a little kid is you learn about the miracles that Jesus Christ did. And obviously, all of those miracles, we believe in the literal miracles of Jesus. But I've preached many times showing how all those literal miracles Jesus did, it was to prove he could do something spiritual which is actually more important because a physical healing is only temporary. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. Everyone that Jesus ever raised from the dead died again later. But why did, so why did he do it? He rose, raised them from the dead to show that he could raise us from the dead spiritually, which is better because it's permanent. It's something that lasts forever. So he did all these things. But the one thing I want to focus on today that is specifically mentioned in here that the Messiah would do is it mentioned that he would heal the brokenhearted. Now, this term, broken heart, it's obviously something that's not literal, but yet we all understand it, don't we? Because I think we've all been there before where we felt that knife in the heart. You know, we felt something happening in there that, uh, you know, maybe scared you a little bit, that actually maybe mimicked a heart attack or something like that. You know, we know, and uh, we know these things aren't necessarily brought on by anything physical, but actually something psychological or emotional. And even though it's psychological or emotional, we've got to understand it's still 100% real. 100% real. And think about it. With all the advancements that we have made you know, when it comes to technology, what we know about the body, how it works, the surgeries they're able to do, you know, when it comes to this, what goes on up here, we're only scratching the surface on that stuff. You know, we, we have no idea. I mean, doctors, they've devoted their lives to studying these things, and they still don't get a lot of these things. And so when it comes to a broken heart, uh, there's actually uh, a medical explanation that they've come up with uh, where they, that they call broken heart syndrome. It's called or stress-induced cardiomyopathy. And I can't even read the other name for it. But it says it can strike you even if you're healthy. Okay? And it's, it, um, which in uh, Jeremiah 23, verse 9, it says, Mine heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man. 
and like a man whom wine hath overcome because of the Lord and because of the words of his holiness. So while we all know that what's going on here with Jeremiah isn't the result of the blood pumping organ in the body, you know, getting a crack in it, like we see in all the pictures of broken hearts, we all recognize what Jeremiah is saying here, don't we? He's talking about being like a drunken man and his, you know, his bones shaking, all these things that are going on. And when things come up in your life that are devastating, a lot of physical stuff happens that can be you know, very traumatic and very difficult. And we see when it comes to this broken heart syndrome, it goes on to say women are more likely than men to experience the sudden intense chest pain or the reaction to a, a surge of stress hormones that can be caused by an emotionally stressful event. And you know why women get a little more? Well, you know, women typically do seem to be a little more prone to hormones, but I think a lot of it too is just our culture as men, we've kind of been conditioned to be hard to some things and to harden ourselves. And I'm just going to tell you right now, that's not always a good thing. Sometimes it's necessary. You know, obviously, um, you know, men throughout history, they've had to go and they've had to fight battles and they've had to shed blood. And I can't imagine what it'd be like to have been a warrior, you know, back in the day and to, in hand-to-hand combat, just kill person after person after person, I would think that'd do something to you. You know, I would think that would harden somebody a little bit. Women, they haven't had to deal with those things as much, and so these things probably nail them a little more. But it goes on to say, it could be the death of a loved one, or even a divorce, a breakup, or physical separation, betrayal, or romantic rejection. It could even happen after a good shock, uh, like winning the lottery. And um, so broken heart syndrome... Uh, it, I hope I get it ch- tested on that one. Of these. I guess you have to. I guess you have to play to win, though. But not really interested in that. But broken heart syndrome may be misdiagnosed as a heart attack because the symptoms and test results are similar. In fact, text, tests show dramatic changes in rhythm and blood substances. Substances are typical of a heart attack. But unlike a heart attack, there's no evidence of blocked heart arteries in broken heart syndrome. So in broken heart syndrome, a part of your heart temporarily enlarges and doesn't pump well while the rest of your heart functions normally or with even more forceful contractions. Uh, Researchers are just starting to learn the causes and how to diagnose and treat it. And that's interesting, too, because even in the Bible, it talks about their hearts being enlarged. And I think it's just kind of showing an emotional feeling. And so even though they weren't able to look at these things back then, it's just interesting how man's has kind of always understood this because uh, we, can, we can feel it, can't we? You know, we, we can feel it even if we can't explain all of it. So uh, when it comes to studying this, honestly, I, I, I was thinking about this. You know, how do you study something like this? Because how do you know when to be, have the people hooked up to the monitor to test what their heart's doing and all that? I don't know how they study this stuff, but there's no doubt. I'm sure they've done a lot. But, you know, when it comes to a broken heart, there is, there is very, very little that a man, that man can do. But thankfully, we actually have a high priest that knows exactly what to do. We have somebody who has been anointed to take care of these things. We see in Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. When Jesus was on earth, and this is why, again, I, I talked to a lady yesterday when we were out soul winning who claimed to be a Christian, but she wasn't one of these people who thought that everybody has to agree with her and, you know, everybody's got to be Christian or whatever. 
And I was trying to explain all the reasons why it has to be Jesus. He's, he's the only one that it can be. But you know, think about this. Jesus, while he was on earth, he wept, didn't he? He suffered betrayal. He, and, and folks, it hurt him when Judas betrayed him, even though he always knew it was going to happen. I mean, when Judas came and he kissed him, he said, Judas, betray us, not me with a kiss. You're, you're really going to do it this way. It, and it hurt. It hurt Jesus what went on. He, he hungered. He thirsted. He felt disappointment. We see him constantly disappointed with his disciples and disappointed at the lack of faith with people. We see he suffered pain physically and emotionally when he's in the Garden of Eden. He is, I mean, he is, his soul was exceeding sorrowful even unto death. And I don't think he was exaggerating when he said that. I mean, folks, people, they, they've died from just being so down and so upset and so depressed. And Jesus Christ, he took it as far as a man can. But you know what? He, he made it through it because he had to. And he did all these things for us. And a lot of times we do, we focus on the cross and what he did on the cross. And obviously that was the most important thing. But at the same time, everything Jesus experienced throughout his life, growing up, knowing what it's like to be a child, knowing what it's like to be in subjection to his parents, knowing what it's like to be a friend, knowing what it's like to have enemies. All of these things were necessary for him to be able to be a high priest. He has to, for him to help us out, he has to know what we're going through. He has to know what we're feeling. He has to know what we're facing. And that's one thing too, when doctors are trying to diagnose people, one of the things that's difficult is sometimes there's problems people have, but the symptoms are hard to pinpoint where the problem is. And it's very important that they know where the, what the symptoms are, they, that you can express what you're feeling and what you're going through. That's one of the difficult things when young children are sick. They can't explain what hurts. They can't explain what they're feeling. And so we have a tough time many times knowing what to do for them. But Jesus Christ, because he has actually experienced all the things that, we are, that we've experienced, he actually knows what needs to be done. Where, you know, all of us, we, we had things that are maybe similar, but we've also have things that are unique and we don't always know what to do. Mankind, whenever somebody's hurting, whenever somebody's dealing with something difficult, they don't always know how to help you, but we do have somebody that can help us. He's called the great physician is what we call him. He knows exactly what we need and so the one thing we can all know for sure is Jesus does care about the physical and emotional pain that we endure. This is another reason God had to come to earth as a man. A holy God is not going to understand how we are because he doesn't, he's not sinful. He cannot be tempted with sin. And so God, uh, you know, there is, there's that difference. There's that separation that happened at the fall of man. And so for God to be able to do what needed to be done to save mankind, he had to come to this earth and live as a man. And he was, he was born. Listen, Jesus Christ did not just possess a body. He didn't like come and just possess it like a devil possesses some other human. No, it was him. It was literally the Son of God who was conceived in the womb. He left heaven and came to this earth at conception. And he was born and he had to learn how to walk and talk and do all the things like you and I. Now, he didn't have that sin nature. And so he did all those things without sin. And, you know, we can't even comprehend what that was like. 
But at the same time, he can definitely comprehend exactly what we're going through. And he does care about the physical, the emotional pain we do. He has the very hairs of our head numbered. You better believe he cares what's going on in your heart. You better believe he cares what's going on inside that head of yours that's affecting the things, even in your body. And so uh, turn over to Matthew chapter 15 and verse 29. It says in verse 29, it says, And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into the mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Now, you know, when somebody brings people like that, it's easy to know what they need, isn't it? Now, we don't always have the power to do something about it. You know, if somebody's deaf, they need hearing, right? If somebody's maimed, they, they, need, you know, they need healing. If their foot's broken, they need it put back in place, whatever. You know, we can... Even though we don't have the power, we at least have the knowledge to know what that person needs. And so Jesus, he's taking care of all these things that are obvious. But, you know, Jesus said he he was so sensitive to these things. You know, he noticed more than just the real obvious things. He cared about things that might not seem as significant. It goes on to say, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak and the maimed to be whole and the lame to walk and the blind to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples on him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. So Jesus even cared about the fact, even though he did all these things for him, that we're in a situation right now where these people have been following me for three days. They don't have anything to eat. If I send them back to their homes now, they're going to faint on the way home. Now, think about this. And Jesus cared about that. And you know what? Jesus knew what it was like to be hungry. Remember, he fasted for 40 days, didn't he? So he knows what it's like to be out in a wilderness. And Jesus wasn't like, well, you know what? I did it for 40 days. You know, they can handle three or four days. No, he's like, you know, what? I'm going to take care of this too. And what did he do? He went and he miraculously fed the multitude. Why did he do that? He cared. They didn't ask him to help with this. But Jesus, he was so sensitive to the needs of people, he he was able to look at a multitude, recognize the situation, he knew what needed to be done, he knew what could potentially happen if nothing was done, and he cared about it, and he did something, and he provided something that would just keep them from dying, or even just many of them suffering. I'm sure probably most of them would have survived, but it would have been very, very difficult, and he did. He cared about that. He cares about the things that we're facing. He knows when we're tired. He knows when we're discouraged. And while these, while, yeah, you're probably tough enough to get through these things. Well, yes, you're probably tough enough to survive. Jesus cares that you're going through that and would like to help you out. He'd like to do something about it. He doesn't want you to just suffer these things. He wants to be there with you. He wants to walk alongside of you. He wants to bear your burdens. That's how he is. And so I want to, um, so I want us to look at some things about the heart and about heart problems that we see in the Bible, because if you're suffering from the, one of these ailments, just understand when it comes to heart things, Jesus is your only hope. Okay? Jesus is your only hope. You have to go to him for healing. Heart issues are just beyond man's help to heal. I wish I, wish I was somebody that just you know, had the perfect words to say and knew what to do to fix things. In fact, you know, I see in the Bible, even Jesus' disciples doing many amazing miracles, even raising people for the dead, but I don't really see them doing heart things with people. 
You know, now, while I do believe a lot of the preaching that they did changed hearts, just understand the reason those people got hearts changed is because they went to Jesus. And so at the end of the day, when it comes to things like this, all I can do is point you to the great physician. And, and, you know, I've pointed people to other doctors before, but, you know, the great physician, he's the only one that can help you, Jesus Christ. So uh, turn over to Ezekiel chapter 36, because what some people probably need right now, some of you in here may need a heart transplant, okay? Now, I'm not even talking about uh, salvation here, even though salvation can definitely do that, but Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 25 says, then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Will I cleanse you? A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them." And folks, right here is just another example of showing how these heart things, while we all understand it, while we can all relate, these things are purely spiritual and not necessarily physical. Because you know what? I don't, I don't know that you can, I, I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think when a person gets saved, if you did a heart scan the day before and then the day after, you'd see a difference. I, I don't know that. In fact, I don't know that when somebody gets right with God, you can see a difference. Maybe, because I mean... I've heard a lot of people, you know, they'll talk about how that weight was lifted and all these things. You know, maybe it does do something. But at the end of the day, we know there's not literally a heart of stone inside somebody. But what's that talking about? That's talking about that person just nothing to get through to them. I mean, they, they are hardened to things. There's some people that it's just like nothing you say can get through to them. Nothing will change them. Nothing can make them see the error of their ways. And we've got to understand, you know, that can happen even to a saved person. Our hearts can be hardened. We can become less sensitive to the things of God. And it's important that we don't let this happen. It says in Psalm 95 verse 7, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. So notice when God was trying to bring the children of Israel through the wilderness, they did. Their hearts got hardened towards God and they went and they started tempting God, demanding flesh instead of the manna. And this upset God greatly when they did this. And so right here, he's warning Israel, don't be like them. Don't be like that generation. Hardening your heart always just makes the problem bigger. It says in Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Happy is the man that feareth alway, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Just understand, when, when you get away with sin, all it does is it hardens you. It just gets easier. You know, what used to make you sweat bullets, what used to make you nervous, what used to make you lay awake at nights, you know what it eventually does? It eventually doesn't bother you anymore. And understand, that night when you were laying in bed and you couldn't sleep, when you felt guilty for what was going on, that was the Holy Spirit dealing with you, trying to get you to repent. But when you ignore that, it, you get your heart gets hardened and eventually... 
he's not, he's not pricking your heart like he was before, or he is, but it's just callous. And you can take it. Now understand, when that happens, if you harden your heart long enough, eventually, God's going to harden your heart. And when that happens, that just means judgment's coming for you. Now, often we associate the hardened heart or God hardening the heart with the reprobate. But folks, that's not the case. It's not just somebody who's just beyond the hope of ever coming to Christ. That's not what it is. Because ultimately what it comes down to, when somebody's heart is hardened, God sometimes would even harden Israel. You know why? Because they crossed the line. He's like, I'm punishing you now. Judgment's coming. And you know, God always forgives when there's repentance, but there can come a point where God's like, you know what? You crossed the line. I'm not letting you repent of this. I'm punishing you for this. So what he does is he hardens your heart so you can't get right. But listen, you harden your heart first. Okay, you harden your heart first. And what, just understand when you do that, things are going to get easier. You're going to feel like you're getting away with sin. But just understand, if it's God hardening your heart, it's just you're being set up for judgment. If you're feeling some pain right now, you better get it right. You don't want to get to that hardened heart phase. And we see in Romans chapter 9, verse 17, For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore he hath mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardeneth. So, he said, God can, when God does this, you're in trouble. And so, if you're someone with a hardened heart, here's what you have to do. Folks, you can be saved and have a hardened heart. Just, just mark it down. And what you need to do is you need to ask God to break your heart. You actually need a broken heart in that situation. Look what it says in Psalm 51 in verse 16. This is after David has committed his sin with Bathsheba. He's been confronted by the prophet. And he says, For thou desirest not sacrifice... Else would I give it? You know, David, I mean, you know, David was a king. He was rich. He, you know, he could have, he could have made sacrifices. He could have done some great things. You know, a lot of times we have this attitude, you know, we'll, we'll just take the punishment. You know, you know, go ahead, you know, give me the grief, give me the judgment. I deserve it. I ask for it. And it's like, that's our way of offering a sacrifice. Fine. Just go ahead and beat me. Go ahead and give me the stripes. Go ahead and give me whatever. But let me tell you something about sacrifices. God's not pleased with our sacrifices. You know, you go and doing time in prison or something like that, that's not like an acceptable sacrifice to God. Where you know what, I, I don't feel bad about what you did anymore because look at that suffering you did. God doesn't care about things like that. And a lot of times, too, Christians will even do that where it's like they're doing some form of penance. I'll punish myself. God's not interested in that. You know what the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. You know, when I was younger, there was a lot of, there was a lot of times I would do things that were wrong and I would be punished. And you know, I got punished. It was over, but I also walked away feeling like it was worth it. And that's, that's not, listen, that's not what God wanted to accomplish. I remember being at my best friend's house and just to give me a laugh, his brother was laying on the couch and he decided to sneak up to him and punch him in the stomach. And it was hilarious. And, and you know, he got in trouble and, it, and his parents just made him sit over on the couch the rest of the night. He wasn't able to play the rest of the night. And I remember the next day, he was like, I know I got in a lot of trouble and we weren't able to play. He's like, but it was totally worth it. <laughs> he was, that was his attitude. Now listen, God's not going to let us walk away feeling like 
the sin was worth it. He's, he's not going to do that. But let me tell you, when God knows our spirit's been broken, when God knows that there is contrition in our heart, when God knows they've learned their lesson, when, he's, when he can see they've changed on this, they're not going to do that anymore, they understand how destructive the sin is, when God sees that, then you know what? Now God can get back in the business of doing the healing that needs to be done. But understand, he's got to break us first. He's got to break us. And so if, if you don't feel that way, if you've got sin in your life right now and it's just not bothering you, listen, you need to find out how to get scared about your sin. You need to find a way to get scared about judgment. You need to ask God to break your heart. You need to ask God for a heart transplant and to help you feel this way. This is how we should feel about sin. So there's a lot of things that we can take, but you know what? We need that broken spirit. And so the, the purpose of punishment it's to break the heart. And you know what? For some people, it just takes the smallest things. You know, just like parents, you know, some of your children, you know, the smallest rebuke will get your child's attention. You know, the littlest swat on the bottom will get their attention and break their heart. But then sometimes you got the stubborn ones. And I think they all go through the stubborn stage where it's like nothing's getting through to them. And you got to try to, you know, you try to find a way to, to break that will and to break their heart because you know they can't keep acting this way. This can't keep going. And we've got to try to make sure we keep a tender heart. That, we, that it's just a little bit to take us, to get us on track. I had to give Lana the evil eye during the song service. Too much moving around. I hope she got the message. You know? And, and so for some people, that's all it takes is that look from the parent, and they get right back on the right track. We need to be the kind of people that just takes a look from God. Just one little thing from God gets our attention. We're like, you know what? I'm sorry. And, and we mean it. We actually have contrition in our heart. That's what, but for some, and, and I've been there before, you know, where, uh, you know, you do, you, you give them the death stare and there's the death stare you can give that says, you know, you, you can give them the look that says, all right, I gave you the look. Hope you got the message. It's over. But I remember getting the death stares from my dad too. Cause my dad, you know, he'd be up on the platform where, just from the look, I knew this wasn't over. <laughs> Just from the look, I'm like, he's going to talk to me about this when we get home. And it's going to involve yelling and screaming from me, you know, because of pain. And it was a terrible feeling, you know, and uh, we, but we need to be the kind of people where, you know, hopefully it doesn't have to go that far. And so we've got to ask God to help keep our hearts right. We've got to understand when, but when God breaks our heart, it's so we can heal it. We see in Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse three says that I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn, away, turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. So you need to understand, sometimes God wants to break us down so he can build us back up again. 
because what we've done with our life is not what the potter had in mind. It was not something that was any kind of vessel of honor. And so God's got to kind of put us through some, some things so he can fix us. And that's what God wanted to do to Israel right here. And so understand, God's not going to heal you if you don't want healing. You have to want it. But if you don't want it, you need to ask God to help you want it. You need to ask him to do that. It says in Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones. Not one of them is broken. So understand God is healing you not so you can do your own thing and fulfill your desires, but he's healing you so he can change you and so he can conform you to his image. That's why he's doing this, but you can't get that healing until you've been broken. And so it is, you need to, we need to recognize it is, it's a good thing when God breaks us. It's a good thing when God breaks our heart. When he does that, just understand he's doing it so he can build us back up. But folks, we've got to conform to his will. We've got to submit. We can't keep going the, after the desires of our flesh. If you do that, then he's just going to keep on running you through the ringer. You're going to keep on going through the fires. And what we've got to do is just when that happens, when that heart gets broken, we've just got to completely submit to his will. His will. And I, do, I wish I had you know, the ability to heal a broken heart, but only God can do this. And so it says in Psalms 147 verse 3, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. And why, why did he mention that right there? Because, I mean, folks, you can't number the stars. And he says that right after talking about binding up our wounds. Why did it say that? I'll tell you why. Because just like a God who knows the details of all the stars, he knows the details of what you're going through. He doesn't just know our name. He, he, doesn't just, he doesn't just know who you are. He knows everything about you. He knows your needs. He knows the emotional things that are going Things that we can't explain. You know, the Bible talks about how we often don't even know how to pray as we ought to pray. But the Holy Spirit helps us to speak those things that cannot be uttered. We don't, often, we don't always even know what to say. Whenever we're, we go to somebody for a problem, we don't even know how to talk about what's going on. We don't know how to express what we're feeling. But understand that we have a high priest who can look at our situation and knows us way better than we know ourselves. And he's like, I know exactly what you need. I know exactly what you need to do. In fact, if you'd follow my commands, these things will actually help prevent you from having these problems. And you know what? If you have messed up, I've got the, I've got the ability to bind up those wounds. But folks, if we're running from him, if we're rebelling against him, how is he going to bind up those wounds? So, well, it was the Lord that gave me those wounds. Okay. But he did that to you because he also knows he can heal you. He knows he can help you. Maybe he did that to you to stop greater destruction from coming your way. But you've got to, under, you've got to understand, at the end of the day, the, God does sometimes allow us to go through great pain to go through great trial, to go through great afflictions, but he's able to do this because he knows he can fix it. He knows he can heal us, but we have to go to him. 
And so God's will for your life. This is God's will for your life. It's for you to be more like Him. So oh, that's, that's not my will. Well, I'm sorry, you son of Adam. But you know, life is not all about just giving our flesh whatever it wants. And let me tell you something too. We've got, there's whole communities of people out there living for the desires of the flesh. No restraints. And do we, is that what you want? Because that's where it all leads. That's where it all leads. They just had Mardi Gras down in Louisiana. No restraints. It leads to going to things like that and participating with that kind of junk. You want to know what a life with no restraints leads to? There's a place we can go to in Chicago and where you see the way these people live. That is where it always leads. It never fails. And so what we've just got to do is understand God, the Bible says he's not going to withhold any good thing from us. There's no good thing that is going to be withheld from us. So we've got to, we've got to submit. And so uh, God allows us to go through hard times because he knows they have the potential to produce much good in our life. But if we fight him through the whole things, we're just bringing more pain. But if we could just submit and just run to him for healing, he'll get you through those fires and he can make something wonderful out of the mess that you're in. Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And you know, I think probably every one of us in here, we've had a time in our life where we were going through something and, and maybe you found that person who'd been through something very similar and they were a great help to you, weren't they? You know, I know as a pastor, you know, there's certain things that, you know, you deal with as a pastor and there's other pastors that have been a big help to me because they've dealt with those exact same things. I've been to, I've been to meetings before where the preacher just gets up there at a pastor's conference or something and just kind of starts talking about all his woes as a pastor. Talking about how sorry the job is. And you think, well, you know, that's a really bad attitude. Let me tell you something. It's making all those pastors sitting out there listening to him feel really good. It's like, I'm not the only one that has to deal with that kind of stuff. I'm not the only one that's messed up like that. I'm not the only one that has, you know, weird people that come to his church. You know, because you know, we do. We sometimes think we're, we're doing something wrong. You know, but... Turn, when, when you find that person that's gone through the exact same thing, it's, it's pretty comforting. And just understand, and, and I get it, we do need flesh and blood people. That's what the church is for. But you've got to understand that the main one we need is Jesus Christ. I don't have the ability to heal broken hearts. I, don't, I, I wish I could stand here today, I could tell you exactly what you what you need to do, tell you what steps to follow for your situation. I can't do that, folks. I don't know all the intricate details of anyone's life in here. And frankly, I don't want to. I don't know, I don't know your, your, your history, the things that you've faced. I don't know what's going on in your mind. I don't know what's going on in your body. I, I don't know those things. Okay? We've all got our own unique experiences and things. And so because of that, because I don't know every little detail of your life, I mean, that makes it really hard for me to often know what all needs to be done. And, and so I can't really explain how to do any of this, but I do know that Jesus lived a life on this earth, not just so he could get you to heaven. That's not the only thing he accomplished when he came to this earth and he died on that cross was just 
the ability to get you to heaven, but he also has the ability, because of what he did on this earth, to be able to take care of you while you're on this earth. He knows what you need. He knows how to heal you. He knows how to fix your problems. And the key is, is having your heart in the right place. Don't come to God today and say, all right, Lord, I've got a broken heart. I need you to fix it. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to get, you know, and then just go down a list of things you're going to, you're going to do and change in your life. Don't, don't, don't come to him with your sacrifices. You know what, you know what you do? You know what God wants? A broken spirit, a broken heart. And he wants, and, and, and just a full surrender, Lord, whatever you want to do. And because you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I would love nothing more than to have everybody in the church come to me and say, all right, pastor, what all do I need to change in my life? It's like, well, all right, here we go. You know, and then I could come up with a bunch of stuff. Okay. Uh, and, and some of it would probably be pretty good. But, but at the end of the day, I'm probably going to miss some things. At the end of the day, because I don't know everything about your life, it's, it's going to come short. But folks, we got to understand God wants to have a personal relationship with us. He wants communion with us. He wants us walking and talking with Him. He wants us doing all these things. And I, I, I promise you that if your heart is where it needs to be, and if you truly are coming to Him, not coming to Him saying, Lord, put this Band-Aid on my cancer. No, coming to Him, Lord, I messed up. I'm done trying to do things my way. I'm fully surrendered to you. And understand, He knows your heart. He knows your heart. You can fool me, but you can't fool Him. You come to Him that way, He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to heal you. He's going to give you those things that you need. And He'll change things. And folks, I won't be able to describe it. I won't be able to tell you, you know, how that happened and how you could possibly be to this wonderful place you're at now considering where you've came from i won't be able to explain that kind of thing to you but you know i really don't have to it's just it's called a miracle and jesus did a lot of them while he's on this earth and he still wants to do miracles and folks the greatest miracles are not the healing of the blind it's not the even the raising from the dead it is things like salvation it's those spiritual things it's healing those broken hearts those kind of things only Jesus Christ can do. And it's just one more reason. Folks, he's the only way. He's the only way. Our world, we're figuring out ways to kind of mask symptoms of things. Some doctor might be able to give you some kind of drug that makes you feel good and helps you cope with broken heart. But it doesn't really fix anything and it comes with side effects. Let me tell you, the side effects of healings from Jesus Christ is just a better life. It's true happiness. It's things that will last. It's, it's a permanent fix. So that's what we all need to go for. And I hope, I hope you'll do that today. I hope you will um, get your heart in the right place. And if it's not there, tell the Lord to help you get it there. And He will. But if, if you don't, it, you're just setting yourself up for judgment. Getting harder, don't do that. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I come to you right now, Lord. I just pray that this message will be a help. Lord, I don't know the needs of everyone in this church. I know that... Uh, everybody's got different things they're going through and challenges they're facing. Lord, there might be some uh, in the early stages of uh, messing with sin and things. Lord, help them to just realize the dangers of being hardened and help them to uh, right now, early on, I pray this message will be a wake-up call to them. Lord, maybe they'll see this message as you giving them a look, and I pray that they'll 
uh, get their act together right now. And Lord, if there are those who are hardened, Lord, I pray you'll break those hearts. I pray that you'll uh, give them a new heart and, uh, and you'll break them down, give them that contrite spirit and help them, Lord, to uh, get their life back together. And I pray you'll heal them and do what only you can do. In your name we pray. Amen.